Matthew 24, 36 through 44 records these words. But of that day and hour, no one knows. He's talking about the return of the Lord. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them away, so also will it be at the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and the other one will be left. Watch, therefore, or pray, for you do not know the hour that the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. You know, when you read the account in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible said that men's hearts were evil. They were filled with greed and corruption and violence. That was the mark of the time of Noah. And there are some similarities in our day and time right now where greed and corruption and violence seems to be running rampant throughout the world. However, the prevailing thought during the days of Noah was normalcy. Life centered around normal things. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given to marriage. In other words, it was business as usual in Noah's day. And the idea seems to be that all things just went on as usual, as though nothing were going to happen. And as our life here has been interrupted by this global virus, one of the prevailing thoughts that seems to be just penetrating the hearts of all of us is this thought. I don't know about you, but it has been for me, is I can't wait to get back to normal. I don't know if you've said that, but I've said that I don't know how many times. In other words, business as usual. You know, things like being able to go out and eat or things like maybe attending weddings. There are weddings and graduations that have been canceled because of this. Or maybe just shopping without a mask on. Or making sure that we don't have to maintain proper distance. Things like that. I just can't wait to get back to when things are normal again. And so I don't know what you're thinking about, but maybe, maybe you could just type in right now. Just go ahead and type something in that you're thinking. I can't wait till we can go back to whatever. Some of you it might be, I can't wait until our kids go back to school. And we're praying for all of our parents that are homeschooling their children right now. I know that's a task that you really wasn't thinking about at the beginning of this year. And so just go ahead and type in some things. I can't wait until we can get back to these certain things. And I hope and I pray that we will be able to get back to some of those things sooner rather than later. But Noah building the ark was a means of God 
trying to get the attention of the people to change their ways. God was being gracious to them like he is to us. God was warning them of a pending judgment. And Noah literally preached to them for 120 years. But they were too busy. They were too preoccupied with their life, with their own agenda to stop and to listen and to pay attention to the message that God was sending them. And I believe that God has allowed this pandemic to come. I didn't say that he sent it, but I do believe that God is using it to get our attention. I believe he's using it to get the attention of the unsaved, to warn them, to let them know that it's time to change. It's time for them to surrender their hearts to him. And I believe that he's trying to get the attention of the church as well, to let them know that we cannot afford to go back to business as usual when we're able to return to our physical locations. So we have to make sure that we are applying to the agenda of God, where the agenda of God is our priority, not just another item that we put on our list of things to do in our busy lives, that if we get around to it, then we'll do it. If not, so be it. And so maybe, maybe God is just saying, well, we'll just allow all of these things to shut down and I'll just strip away every idol that has been erected, especially in America. I'll just make sure that every idol that we have placed above God has been brought down to simply show us that there is no other God besides him. And just like overnight, just like when, when they put the Ark of the Covenant in the Temple of Dagon and they came back the next morning and that idol had fallen before the presence, the Ark of God, that idol had fallen before him. It's as though God is saying, I have caused all of these things to fall before me because all of these uh, man-made idols have fallen before God. But I don't know about you. Aren't you glad that you tuned in today to this encouraging, uplifting message? I just want you to stay with me for a little bit here because I promise you that this message is going to get better. So what is the agenda of God in this hour? What is God saying to us in this hour, in this time frame? Well, he said, like in the days of Noah, the agenda that God wants us to grab hold on is his agenda. And the agenda of God is simply this. Number one, it is to warn man of coming judgment. That's what Noah was doing while he was building the ark. Noah was building man of a coming judgment that was coming to the earth. The second thing that Noah was doing in the agenda of God was simply this, to provide an escape from the wrath which was to come. And so as we slowly begin to return from this interruption, I believe that we cannot allow ourselves individually and as a church to drift back to normal church. I simply believe that we cannot allow ourselves to go back to church as usual. I don't believe God's going to let it happen that way. We cannot just sit back and we cannot just say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting for the Lord to return. That's not what God has called us to do. Our place in this hour is to warn 
people, not in a spirit of condemnation and not in a spirit of, of, uh, of hate, but in a spirit of love and in a spirit of compassion to warn them, to compel them to get into the ark, to come into a place of safety because judgment is coming to this earth. And so, so we are to work, the Bible says, we are to work until we enter into the ark. The Bible lets us know that the hour, the day is coming where no man will be able to work. And so Noah was working until that very moment that he entered into the ark. Work at what? What should we be working on? at? What should we be working on? I believe that God gives us the blueprint that we're supposed to be working on with Noah. He told Noah to build the ark. He said, build the ark. Now we know that the ark is symbolic of Jesus. It is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. For instance, the Bible says that the ark was made of gopher wood. Gopher wood was nearly an indestructible wood. Uh, the Bible described Jesus as a tender plant. He was the rod or the stem or the root of Jesse. We know this now that he was and he is our indestructible Savior. We just came out of Easter, and we know that they could not destroy him, even though they crucified him. On the third day, he rose from the grave. And so Christ was God's mighty tree that was cut down in order to save humanity from the coming judgment. The ark was a means by which God was providing to save man from coming judgment. The ark was to uh, be made of pitch. They were to put the pitch on the outside of the ark and on the inside of the ark. The word pitch in Hebrew is the word kafar. Kafar is where we get the word atonement. Atonement is an Old Testament term which carries the act of forgiveness, uh, the act of forgiveness of one's sin. So not only does the blood wash us and forgive us, but the blood also covers us, and it protects us from life storms, and it protects us from the coming judgment. Notice the pitch was on the outside, and the pitch was on the inside as well. On the inside, it cleanses us. It washes away our sins, but on the outside, it protects us. It, 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 it keeps us from harm's way. It's the blood of the Lamb that keeps us safe. It's the blood of the Lamb that keeps us secure in the midst of our trials and in the midst of adversity. It's the blood of the Lamb that holds things together during life's storms. It's the blood of the Lamb that holds things together during the trials of life. It's the blood of the Lamb that keeps us from falling apart when adversity begins to wage against us. Uh, Noah applied pitch on the outside and on the inside of that ark, and it kept him safe, and it kept him secure. And I still believe that the blood not only saves us, but the blood also protects us. If you're thankful for the blood, just right now, type in the blood in the comment section. Come on, if you're thankful for the blood, type in the blood. The Bible lets us know that there were three levels or three floors on the ark. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But also it speaks to us that Jesus is what? He is the way, He is the truth, and He is 
the life. The Bible lets us know that there was a door right in the center of that ark. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1 says this, that God gave the invitation to uh, Noah and his family to enter in through the door. He told Noah and his family to come through the door of the ark. And I believe that God is speaking to you. I believe that God is speaking to me. And he's speaking to our families to make sure that we enter in through the door. We know that that door is symbolic of Jesus Christ. The Bible lets us know in John 10 and 9, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep that you enter through me in order to be saved. No one comes to the Father except by Him. And so God prepared the ark with a door. God's giving us a door, an opportunity at this moment to come into the place of safety and security. And that place is found in Jesus Christ. There was also a window, the Bible said, in the ark. It was at the top of the ark. That window was a means for Noah to be able to look out and for Noah to be able to look up. It tells us during this time to look out. Remember, Jesus said, watch. That word means to pray, to look, to watch, to be ready, for we know not what hour the Son of Man is coming. It also is an indication to look up. Why? Because Luke 21 and 28 says this, when these things begin to take place, what things? The things that are happening in the earth today. He said, stand up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. I just want to speak to somebody right now. And I just want to tell you to lift up your head. You may be discouraged. You may be battling depression. You may be going through some emotional distress right now. But I want you to pick up your head. I want you to know that you don't have to be fearful during this time. I want you to know that you can lift up your head. Why? Because your redemption is drawing nigh. He's telling us to watch. He's telling us to pray. He's telling us to be ready. These are some exciting times for the church because soon and very soon, I believe that we are going to receive, are going to see the return of our Lord. So lift up your head. The agenda of God. I believe God is calling his church right now of, to promote Jesus, to lift Jesus up. It is the preaching of his kingdom that we need to be doing in this very hour. The message right now in this hour needs to be the same message that was preached when Jesus first came. And that was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the last message that needs to be preached during this time is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand at hand. And I believe that there is a shift that is getting ready to happen in our churches. We're getting ready to shift back to a Christ-centered church. I want to say it again. The shift that's getting ready to happen in the church is we're getting ready to shift back to a Christ-centered church. You know, ark churches, that's what I'm talking about, building ark churches, where the presence of God prevails, not the personality of man. These are the ark churches that I believe God is getting ready 
to raise up in these last days. A church where, place, where it's a place of salvation. A church where a place where people are empowered rather than entertained. You know I'm going to say something right here because I believe the entertainment church is over. I believe that we're entering into a day and a time where people are not looking to be entertained. People are looking to be empowered. And God is birthing and raising churches in this hour, ark churches, where we're going to come out of this time, we're going to come forth, and we're going to be churches that are churches that have been empowered by the Spirit empowered by the spirit of a living God. So we are getting ready to enter into what I call ark churches where the presence of God prevails and the power of God moves in our midst. It's going to be empowerment over entertainment. As a matter of fact, just type in that word right now, empowerment. That's getting ready to happen in these last days that we're living in. See, I believe that I believe arcs of God's presence are going to penetrate households. That's why we've been in our homes right now, that our homes are being turned back into the sanctuary of God. Our kitchen tables are being turned back into the time of fellowship with God. Our coffee tables are being turned back into altars. You know, Noah and his family entered the ark. And some of you have been praying for loved ones for years. I believe the door is open. I believe the opportunity is before us. I believe the revelation of Jesus Christ is happening right now. And people that you've been praying for for years, hear this preacher right now, people that you've been praying for for years are getting ready to board the ark with you. They're getting ready to step through that door. That's what's getting ready to happen because I believe this, before the return of the Lord, I believe there's going to be a revival that's going to sweep through the land. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll get there in a moment. But before the return, there will be a revival that's going to sweep through this land. So that's what we should be doing. We should be building our churches where the presence of God prevails and household salvations take place. Come on, if you believe that with me right now, just type in amen. So that's what we need to be doing. But the next question is, how do we do it? Well, Hebrews 11 and 7 tells us this. It says that by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. There it is again. By which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Come on, everyone, right now, just shout faith. Just type it in right now, faith. This is what it's going to require. It always has, but this is what we need in these last days because the Bible tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. Noah was moved by godly fear. He wasn't moved by the spirit of fear that 2 Timothy uh, 1 and 7 talks about, but Noah was moved by godly fear. Now let me back up just a moment before I talk about godly fear. I'm not talking about a spirit of fear that seems to have been released upon the earth. 
That's not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, the spirit of fear paralyzes people where they're afraid to do anything. The spirit of fear produces panic in people where anxiety grips their hearts and they're worried about what's going to happen next and they're worried about tomorrow. The Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known to God and God will send a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, the spirit of fear robs us from the promises of God. Fear will prevent us from receiving or possessing the promise of God. If you don't believe me, just ask the children of Israel. Because when they were getting ready to receive and inherit the promise that God have for, had for them, they saw giants in the land. And because the giants were in the land, they were afraid and they spoke out of fear and not faith. And they forfeited their inheritance to the spirit of fear. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but don't forfeit your inheritance. Don't forfeit your promise to the spirit of fear. Don't let that spirit rob you of the promise of God. I feel like we need to be informed, but not alarmed. If God promised you, if God spoke to you, if God gave you that word, you hold on to it in spite of what you see. You're going to claim it by faith and you're not going to forfeit it by fear. Come on, if you believe that, shout yes with me right here. Come on, right now, just take a 10-second take a praise break and shout yes. That's it. Come on, let's do it together. The fear that Noah possessed was one of awe of God. It was one of reverence. It was one of worship to God. And it moved him to action. It moved him to obey God. It moved him to trust God. No matter what it looked like, no matter how bad things got, he trusted God with his life and he trusted his family or he trusted his family's life to God as well. And so by faith, in other words, by divine persuasion, he was moved. The word move here means to be energized. It means to create energy. And so when Noah decided to respond by faith and not fear, God supernaturally empowered him. How else could one man build an ark that size? You know, the ark, the length of it was the size of a foot, one and a half football fields, 150 yards long, 45 feet high, over 100,000 square feet of space, floor space on that ark. We knew, we know that Noah could not do that in his own ability, but faith, as he moved by faith, it empowered him to supernaturally prepare a place for the saving of his household and the saving of his family. So I just simply believe this. When we as a church respond by faith to this flood, to this season that we're in, God is going to supernaturally sustain us 
And he's going to empower us to build again our churches where we are going to begin to witness household salvations and a supernatural move of the Spirit of God. I'll share that with you right here in a moment. So we know what we are to do. We are to build the ark. We know how to do it by faith, but we need to know why we're doing what we're doing. If you go back into the book of Genesis, and you look at Genesis chapter 7, the Bible lets us know that it rained upon the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. 40 is the number of testing. Jesus was tempted, tested in the wilderness as he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. The children of Israel wandered in a wilderness for 40 years outside of their promise. It is the number of testing because a faith that has never been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And so your faith is being tested. But I want you to know that you can trust in the Lord. You can depend upon the Lord. He's never left us. He's never going to forsake us. He will always provide for us. He will always make a way of escape for us. And your faith is being tested so that God can prove himself strong and mighty to us. Then when you get into Genesis 7, 17, the Bible says this, that the waters increased on the face of the earth and lifted up the ark. The water in this case represents the test. It represents the trial. It represents the storm. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 25? Jesus told us that the rain is going to come. He said the floods will come and every house will be tested. Every house will be tried to see whether or not that house was built upon the rock, the revelation, the word of the living God, or upon sand, upon man. He said every house that's built upon sand will crumble. I don't have a lot of time to get into this, but I really believe that as we emerge out of this, there are some, there are some churches that are not going to resurface from this because it was not built upon a sure and firm foundation. But there are churches that have been built upon the rock, and they're going to be able to withstand and survive this storm. Verse 17 again says, The waters increased, and it lifted up the ark above the earth. In this hour of testing and in this hour of trials, I believe that the ark, the church, is rising above the trouble. Trouble. We're beginning to see the church rise above these things. But verse 18 is what I really want to get to. And this is what it says. As the waters prevailed upon the earth, the ark moved on the surface of the waters. This is where I really want to preach. Because it's during this time of trouble... It's during this time of trials that we're not going to see the church sink, but rather we are going to see the church rise. And we are going to see a move of God in these last days that the church has yet to experience. The ark moved on the surface of the waters. There is a moving of the presence of God that's going to override all of the trouble, 
all of the trials, all of the tests that we've been going through. I believe that with all of my heart because the Bible lets us know that there's another flood coming. Only this time it's not going to be a flood of water that's going to destroy the earth, but it's going to be a flood of God's Spirit. God is going to flood this earth with His Spirit. The Bible says that the earth will be filled, flooded, with the glory or the knowledge of the glory of God. You know, at the beginning of this year, God gave our church a word, and that word was shift. As a matter of fact, just go ahead and write that in right now. Hashtag shift. God gave us that word as a church. We didn't know what all of that meant, but we're seeing that unfold before us right now. And so a shift is simply moving from what is to what will be. And that's what's happening. We are moving from what was to what will be. Whether we wanted to or not, it's happening right now. And I went back this week and I went back to Vision Sunday. On Vision Sunday, it was January 26th. There was a part of the message that I was not able to share with you. And I just didn't feel a release to share it with you. But it was a prophetic part of the message that God had deposited into my spirit. And I told you that there would come a time that I would share that message with you. Well, now is that time. Here it is again, that God is going to shift. And here's where the shift's going to be, one of the shifts. We're going to see a shift in young people. Wayward sons and daughters are coming home. And by home, I mean they're coming back to the house of God. They're coming back to the ark of safety. They're coming back. They're going to prophesy. They're going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. They're coming back. As a matter of fact, one of the signs in the last days, Malachi says, is the hearts of the fathers will be turned towards the sons and the sons towards the fathers. There's a returning of a relationship where sons' hearts are going to be reunited with the Father, their heavenly Father. That's getting ready to happen. There will be a movement among young people because there's a hunger in their hearts. There's a hunger for truth. And they're going to discover that truth is not a precept, but rather truth is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. The second thing that God told me is this is going to be a year of abundance. And some of you are looking at me kind of like, what are you talking about? A year of abundance. Immediately, many of our thoughts goes, go towards an abundance that's linked to material things. But God's thoughts are above our thoughts and God's ways are above our ways. God's thinking about spiritual abundance. And this is what he said in Acts chapter 2. And I'm closing, I promise. Second closing. This is what he says in Acts chapter 2. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I believe that this is the year, 2020, that God is going to pour out his spirit without measure. There's no limits. This is not going to be the time nor the season where God is withholding. But this is the time and this is the season where God is releasing. You get ready. It's getting ready to happen. It's going to happen in your home. It's going to happen 
in places of work. It's going to happen when our children go back to school. It's going to happen in our neighborhoods. It's going to happen in our communities. I believe, I, I really do believe this. I believe that stadiums that have been shut down are being prepared. Being prepared for what? I believe that they are being prepared for city crusades. I believe that the church is going to unite together. It's not going to be this church over here and that church over there, but we are going to come together. We're going to rent out. We're going to use these facilities, and we are about to see an outpouring of the Spirit of God that the church has never seen because these are the last days. Remember, before rapture, revival, and I believe that it is coming. God is not withholding His his spirit. This is a year of release. He's going to release us from the things of the past, and he's going to launch us into the things that he has prepared for us. God is getting ready to pour out his spirit without measure. And if you believe that, shout yes one more time. Come on, shout yes with me. This is where I believe we're at. This is what I believe is getting ready to happen. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be as the return of the Lord gets ready to happen, there's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And I want Life Point Church to be ready. I want you to be ready. I want your homes to be flooded with the Spirit of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the love of God, and I believe it's going to happen. You know what? When we do return physically, when we are able to assemble together, I believe there's going to be such an outpouring. You get ready for it. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. I want to thank you again for taking time to be with me today. I went a little bit over this this time, but I had a lot to say to you today. But I just want to encourage you, keep your head up, keep praying, keep believing. The best is yet to come, and we've not seen anything yet in what God is going to do. God bless you. I'll see you Wednesday night, 630, and we'll see you right back here next Sunday. Have a great week.